this is Andrew Litton, music director of New York City Ballet, welcoming you to another edition of See the Music. Our subject today is George Balanchine's remarkable amalgamation of the music of Felix Mendelssohn, entitled Midsummer Night's Dream. We hearken back to a live See the Music performance I did with the New York City Ballet Orchestra on May 27, 2016, at the Koch Theater. I hope you enjoy it. heard that music before. Um, how many of you have used it as part of your wedding? Guilty. Um, written 173 years ago by German composer Felix Mendelssohn, he never could have imagined how successful this one excerpt from his Midsummer Night's Dream incidental music would become. I'm Andrew Litton, proud to be music director of the New York City Ballet. Welcome to... Thank you. I hope you still feel that way in two hours, but thank you very much. Um, welcome to See the Music, our regular series of introductory comments about the composer and the music. Felix Mendelssohn was born into a rich and successful banking family in Hamburg, Germany in 1809. The Mendelssohns were deeply intellectual and artistic, and Felix's paternal grandfather, Moses Mendelssohn, was perhaps the foremost Jewish philosopher of the Enlightenment and was a colleague of Immanuel Kant and J.E. Lessing, amongst others. Moses fought very hard for religious tolerance and the assimilation of German Jews into German society. Sadly, history has shown that his efforts didn't go so well, and Mendelssohn's family actually converted to Catholicism and Protestantism in self-preservation. The Nazis had an uncanny way of unearthing Jewish roots and a hundred years later, this glorious, sparkling, inspired music that you are about to hear was banned, and Karl Orff, composer of Carmina Burana, was ordered to compose replacement music to Midsummer Night's Dream. In Leipzig, where Mendelssohn had spent a glorious 12-year span in the, in the 1830s and 40s as music director of the Gewandhaus Orchestra, the statue of him erected after his death was repeatedly vandalized in the 1930s until the mayor had it removed in 1936, explaining that since Mendelssohn was considered a Jew and, quote, as such, cannot be displayed as an exponent of a German city of music. That statue was never recovered, but I'm happy to report that a new statue was erected in 2008, and if you ever find yourselves in Leipzig, a visit to Mendelssohn's apartment is an absolute must. I'm giving you all of this background because as you listen to this amazing music, it is so hard to imagine that any aspect of it was ever controversial. 
that these bucolic, carefree melodies could ever be banned, that hearing these notes could ever give anything but joy. On a personal note, my love of Mendelssohn goes way beyond his music because Mendelssohn was the first real conductor in history. Before him, conductors were usually the first violinist standing up and waving a bow, or a composer waving a rolled up piece of music paper. But Mendelssohn came to prominence as a musician as orchestras grew larger and orchestral music became complex enough to need a real leader. His ascendance to the podium became a natural progression. But let's back up. Mendelssohn was a child prodigy and started writing wonderful music while he was very young. His obsession with the Shakespeare play Midsummer Night's Dream began when he was a teenager and he made his family act out the play in the backyard. It is easy to imagine the young Mendelssohn being captivated by the play since it might be the Shakespeare play with the most musical references. Oberon declares, sound music, come my queen, take hands with me and rock the ground whereon these sleepers be. Mendelssohn wrote the overture when he was 17 years old in a matter of days. Now those of you who are parents can have some perspective on this. <laughs> My son is turning 17 next week and I still can't get him to do his homework. Anyway, the single most important musical fingerprint we hear right at the beginning, it's four wind chords that immediately conjure up the magical, mythical world of the story. Mendelssohn returns to these chords in various guises throughout his music, and so does George Balanchine in his choreography. Balanchine, it should be mentioned, was an elf in a production of Midsummer Night's Dream in St. Petersburg when he was eight years old. So his obsession with the story started at a very young age as well. Listen now to the very beginning of the overture and how after those slow wind chords, the violins launch into fast and delicate music that immediately captures the vision of fairies' gossamer wings. Sixteen years later, when Mendelssohn was the ripe old age of 33 and was music director in Berlin, King Frederick William IV of Prussia asked Mendelssohn to expand his music to accompany a new production of the play. So in 1843, the incidental music was born. What is truly extraordinary is that Mendelssohn came back to his youthful work without, as George Marek once said, dropping a stitch. The music has the same youthful spirit as the overture. Perhaps my favorite part of the score, because it is so beautiful, is the setting of the song, Ye Spotted Snakes. 
In the play, Titania calls out, Come, now a roundel and a fairy song. Here is the first verse of the lullaby as obediently sung by the fairies to their queen and done so brilliantly by the choir Musica Sacra. Mendelssohn lived only five more years after writing this unforgettable music, joining the list of genius composers that were taken from, uh, from us in their 30s, like Mozart, Schubert, and Gershwin. Mendelssohn's complete music to Midsummer Night's Dream only lasts about 50 minutes, as was only meant to accompany the play. When George Balanchine decided, because he loved the music so much, he wanted to create a full-length ballet, he added other works of Mendelssohn to create the incredible ballet you're about to see. The second piece you will hear after the overture is another overture called Italia, and is the most mature Mendelssohn in the ballet, dating from 1845. Balanchine uses three other overtures called The Beautiful Melusine, The First Walpurgis Night, and an overture called Die Heimkehr aus der Fremde, usually translated as Son and Stranger Overture, but which Maestro Andrews Sill has redubbed the Hammaker Schlemmer Overture. <laughs> and so that's what we call it. Finally, one last bit of information. The most balletic moment in the evening occurs in Act Two and is now known as Divertissement. For this, Balanchine goes back to a string symphony that Mendelssohn wrote when he was 13. So I urge you to fight the temptation to go home and smack your kids, but rather, rather play them this amazing music instead. Perhaps they'll be inspired, as I know you will be. Thank you for joining us.